Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. The mortgage now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast. See if we can time it just right. being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess. Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's talking about time about. for Mortgage Matters. Right there. <laughs> I know we got to get John to get his new bed on that. I think. Do we need to reach out to him or yeah. are you? Uh, I'll, I'll reach out to him. Okay. Yeah. You can do it right now if you want. We're not going to take a break for 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll email him right now. Yeah. I'll, yeah. In fact, right now I'm on my email saying John Hansen. All right. Right on. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. I was wanting to, you know, we know how abruptly that new little bed is ending yeah. right there. So I, I just. I just wish there's a way that we could do what they call like a, a, a loop on it. But there's really no way that we can even do a loop. Yeah. So um, let me get that. Things to work on anyway. There's always yeah. something to work on. Yeah. I've been working on things all week, so let's put this on the list too. Uh, let's work. Yeah, let's work on this. Yeah. Well, how's it going, Dan? It's going so great. Glad you asked. Thank you. Good. Yeah. We're just Saturday morning. Just fantastic just day today. Fill up the coffee. Yeah. Take a stroll in the slow. Got the nice clean out thanks to the rain. So the, awesome, the air's fresh. The oh. sky's clear. They're saying it's supposed to rain again later on today or tomorrow. Oh, really? Uh, I thought it was done in the early morning. So Tascadero is under about six inches of, um, you guys have all like eucalyptus trees down there on the coast. We're loaded down with oak trees. Yeah. And oak trees have these things in them. It looks like a little bottle brushy type of thing. Can you picture them? Like yellow things everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's the thing that I think is making my truck look like I went through the color run. (laughs) Every time I go from somewhere to somewhere, it's coated in that yellow dust. But anyway, those little yellowy, orangey things, there's like six inches of those on the ground now everywhere. And I'm cautiously optimistic that those are the allergens right there. And that yesterday is wind and rain. Broke them all free, so instead of time-releasing, they're now in the gutters and hopefully washing to some other place instead of my sinuses. That would be nice. Yeah. Pretty crazy, though. Those things are everywhere. I haven't seen so much of that. And the Tascadero office for Central Coast Lending is right under a pretty amazing oak tree. Yeah, it is. In fact, yesterday it was so windy that I looked out the window several times and I just, I thought as one of our processors was sitting in the corner desk under that huge tree, I was like, dear God, please help that tree be healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the limbs are like as big around as my truck. Yeah. There's a huge tree. It looks super healthy though. Yeah, it is. Although the one, (laughs) the one that's like across the park that I guess it was diseased or something in front of Sylvester's. Do you oh, remember yeah, all do that? Remember that one. There's still a area there that's like the the gravesite of a really yeah. beautiful tree. Yeah, so. you got to figure that all the trees right in that little area are probably about the same age. That was an old tree they took down. Huh? Yeah. So they, and and this been, one's massive. It's and they've be been sharing, like, you know, 
They're sitting there sipping on the same water. <laughs> right. Got the same asphalt over their root systems. <laughs> I don't know. Just oh. Evan from Katie Janney Landscaping. Yeah. Play he was show, he was showing me pictures. They do a lot of tree removal. Yeah. And he was showing me pictures from that last storm of um property and AG. Oh yeah. And I can't even remember what he said now. A lot on the Mesa too. He had one property from a guy that we both knew, so he was showing me pictures where like 40 trees fell on one property. Yeah. Unbelievable. So it was like a, like a $120,000 tree removal job. Yeah. That's so crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. So I didn't hear of any of that yesterday, so hopefully... It, was it really windy in North County? It was really windy. Oh, it wasn't that bad out on the coast, which is kind of the opposite of normal. Yeah. I feel like normally we get the pretty strong strong winds yeah we got another rinsing and now look how blue the sky is. yeah everything's still green it's really get that fantastic view out the back of the studio i know yeah it's really amazing we get to see like the mountain and everything yeah it's awesome yeah sweet yeah whereas on zaka lane we got to see the (laughs) cul-de-sac right and wait we had a view of something yeah and (laughs) when you step right outside it was yeah. just a, a ever present reminder that the sewage treatment facility <laughs> yeah, for was slow, right there. Yeah. I mean, it could probably yeah. have hit a golf ball to it. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's that far away. Yeah. Yeah. This, you know, yeah. We're by, well, over here, the drawback is we're by the railroad tracks, but we hardly ever see them here. Yeah. But, you know, anyway, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Got a great view. Indeed. So it's, uh, this is going to be a two hour special here. Did you know? <laughs> I didn't it's know a that. two hour special. Two I was hour. hoping. A two hour special. It's gonna be Dan and myself oh. for two hours. We got a lot to talk about though. I mean it's a it's a big week. Dan and I were sitting out in the lobby right now and we're just enjoying off air conversation about what the heck is going on. Yeah. Oh. Seems like there's a lot going on. You kinda of brought that into the studio actually. Yeah. Uh, the vibe or you heard it? Well, I heard you, yeah. Yeah, what's going on with Syria? Well, you, gotta, you gotta go back to the early stages of our mortgage career. We fresh out of college yeah. into a mortgage banking operation based in Slow, and shortly, you know, I had been there maybe a year. Jason, uh, you know, six months or so, and next thing you know, we're we're watching TV in the middle of the of the workday and bombs or what was it shock and awe yeah shock and awe shock campaign and awe occurred and and all of a sudden i heard uh. some of the veteran loan officers in the office um scream out in joy because they knew that rates were going to start to go down and it was going to uh-huh. be an opportunity for them to capture a lot of business okay. and so yes uh, it, and that's a what was it thursday was kind of a it brought me back to that mm-hmm well, yeah, and, and to be clear, I didn't hear a single loan officer today <laughs> right. trying to connect those dots. So right. um, it was, in that regard, quite a bit different. I'm not even sure that the loan officers today realize that relationship very well. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, that was kind of how our conversation began, is yesterday the bond yields actually went up a little bit. And it's interesting because there was, there was a bit of data this week, but um, and maybe it's just that the humanitarian part of me, but um, I thought the biggest news this week was the, you know, the the airstrikes that mm-hmm. were going on in Syria. And, yeah, yeah. Um, just 
total heartbreaking imagery that we saw, you know, mm. and it's not anything new. I know the Syrian thing's been going on for a long time. It's devastating. Yeah. Um, I don't want to have a political conversation about, you know, the the how or why or too early, too late, unilateral, all those. Those are the things Dan and I like to talk about off of the air. Right. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that there was a, a military action this week. Um, and it, to me, it seemed like the most pressing issue. That's a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. And um, And so I was expecting like, oh, okay, well... You know, there's going to be some fallout from this in a variety of ways, and one of which, if if I'm not getting this wrong, and, you know, Dan, you said it was at the very beginning of our career, and we were also quite a bit younger then. Um, I, As you started to say that back in 2000, was that 2003? It was 2003. I yeah. remember when I was, um, I think I was in eighth or ninth grade, I was young when... Um, the first Iraqi war was happening. And I remember at the time, I didn't have any real context to war other than what I'd learned in history. Mm -hmm. And um, I grew up always worried. I remember hearing about the draft and, you know, my um, my grandpa, all of my great uncles, uh, everybody in our family had served. And, you know, a lot of them didn't come home. In fact, the majority of them didn't come home. Yeah. And uh, and I remember when I was growing up thinking, man, I can't imagine as a young man, it was really a terrifying thought to me that one day the government goes, get on the bus, bud. Yeah. And you're going to go and, you know, potentially lay your life down um, at an order. And and I always like to th as a young man, I always like to think that, you know, it's a, if it's a noble cause, you know, mm -hmm. I, and I remember then thinking, because my dad, you know, he said, well, and now all these young men get to die over oil. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, well, that's not something I want to die for. I'm not, yeah. I'm not up for that. You yeah. guys, <laughs> I will fight for women and children. I will fight for invasions. I will fight to hold, you know, enemy, <coughs> enemies out of areas and stuff. But if you guys need to fight about oil, I'll ride my bike. Yeah, give me yeah, a bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And so I yeah. remember, I remember legitimately thinking about that. And, and man, it was just, you know, because all I'd, I'd heard and read and studied in history and all these things that military actions are a big deal. Mm -hmm. And um, it's always struck me that way. I, for people that know me personally, um, I don't like it. I don't like any of it. I don't even like. I've never even watched Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> I don't <laughs> watch. I don't. Yeah, but it's I don't want to be. Movie. I don't want to be entertained by any of that stuff. Mm. It's not to me. It's not something somebody should be making money off of. I don't like it. It's devastating. Think about those just young men and women um, that are are. Dying and granted, some of the causes were those very honorable ones. And anyway, it just, it's a, I think, a devastating thing. And so mm -hmm. when I saw the, you know, that this week, once again, I, we occupy so many countries already. It's a, I feel like we're always in some sort of thing with planes and bombs, and you get these stories back about people losing their lives or whatever. But all of a sudden, the news cycle is like, all right, man, the U.S. is now. Here's some video for you. We're blowing things up. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as you think about it and stuff, I'm like, oh, well, 
one of the things that happens there is that causes some uncertainty in the world, right? Because not everybody agreed that you should go be bombing. Not even all Americans agree about these things, um, or at least the timing of it or whatever. But we know now that there are other countries in the world. Some support and some don't. Um, And those things generally are scary. It's uncertainty. We don't know what it means, how high it's going to escalate, what's it going to lead to. Um, And so usually that's where you see a bunch of money move into the bond market. And so yesterday I'm watching interest rates basically on mortgages. Interest rates got worse yesterday. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I almost wonder now, is it because even our markets are desensitized to these kind of things too? Yeah, it's a, that's, that was the question of the day yesterday. And as you were saying, it was coupled with a, a pretty dismal jobs report, which would typically um, lead to also money into the bond market. So yeah, two big um, news stories yesterday. One obviously overshadowed most, but um, two two big stories that would typically affect the bond market in a way that would drive rates lower um, seem to have a negligible effect. Yeah, and it, it was kind of odd. It was it was the question all over the you know the CNBC day all the different panels they have on quite were asking that same question and it, you know no one really had a great answer yeah strange and um you know so once again we'll, we're just trying to piece together the the little things that are you know little and big things that are going on and and there's times so like when you when you started you said back at the beginning of our career and I mean obviously we were so young and so naive and yeah. and lacking the life experience where you can kind of add all these things up and so today I feel like well I kind of trying to draw the conclusions of wh- how all this stuff scores and at the end of the day I'm like scratching my head going I don't get it and I got to admit I didn't have a lot of time yesterday to be um we we didn't have the TV on in the office for whatever reason. In fact, in our office, it's off a lot now lately. I think everybody got so burned out over all the election stuff that just shut her down. But um, in any case, I spent so much time yesterday trying to solve IT problems that I didn't um, I didn't get to watch too much of the the news channels that are out there. So I didn't get to see a lot of that and. Maybe it would have helped. Sounds like it didn't help much to get much explanation. Just people reiterating the same questions. Yeah, pretty much. Wild. All I can think is that there's just, there's an uncertainty about, is this this the beginning of something bigger or is this its own isolated thing and it's over now? And I think that's where maybe the markets didn't know how to react. Sure. Yeah, and and again, I'm I'm not going to I'm not even going to begin to represent myself as an expert in this, but from what it looked like to me, these guys are delivering poisonous gas from planes which are taken off from the airfields and from some of the pictures we saw yesterday it looks like the planes and airfields are pretty well taken care of, so maybe it is just a real short-lived thing and now they have to figure out how now you, you know, deal with that going forward but anyway something tells me it won't be simple or easy so it it's getting to be break time already look at and our hunt and pecker over here still emailing i am still emailing <laughs> yeah well i'm gonna be out of town most of this week so I'm, I'm sending out the emails that i'm out of town this week don't oh, forget you okay okay said you would do this for me 
Yeah. On the upside, the subject line to said email is now complete. It is. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's an email but, uh, sent to uh, Mr. Hansen about the show. Perfect. That's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, you teased the job report, so we got to talk about that. Um, there's some other housing-related news, some other economic data. I want to talk today. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple of things that are near and dear to the heart right now. One is um, re- reverse mortgages. I know we've talked about that recently. I just closed one. I want to talk about it a little bit. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, and then otherwise, um, oh, I'm just looking here at my notes. There's just, I can't even tease you about all of it. There's a lot to talk about. I think we're going to have a good show. I'm looking forward. We're going to have a fantastic show, Whew. not just a good show. It's going to be like probably the best show we've had in forever. I feel you. Wow, I love the enthusiasm. There it is. I'm gonna. It's gonna um, be great. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and tip it to you. I'm about to take my first sip of coffee on the morning, and then this this is really gonna get lively. <laughs> so All right, geez. let's do it. First commercial break, guys. Stick around for more mortgage matters. Mortgage matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling five four three eight eight three zero or eight hundred five four nine fifty eight thirty two. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. Too often, potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is, we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure, or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018 DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, out in the halls, we run into our guest that we scheduled, and I forgot. 
I get, I'll take the I'll take the egg on my face today. Who's this guy out in the hall that I'm not expecting to be out in the hall? No, yeah. funniest thing <laughs> though. So yeah, we got Bruce Freeberg on. Bruce, good morning, welcome. Good morning. Always nice to be forgotten. Yeah. Hey man, if you're forgotten, at least it means you were known at one point. Good point. Last week when we were on the show, Dan said, "Be nice to have Bruce on again," and that was where I sent you that email. I said, "Bruce, let's do it." So then it came together. Bruce said, I can do next Saturday. Perfect. See you then. He goes, we'll talk on Tuesday. Because then I wrote back and said, are you feeling better? And he said, yes. We'll confirm on Tuesday. And then I didn't see you Tuesday. But I was there. You were there. Good. I am glad that you're here. I legitimately am. Um, awesome. Always good to be here. So what is new? Crazy market still. You know, yeah. Same old thing everybody's been hearing about. Short on inventory, uh, a lot of product, a lot of homes going you know over the list price with multiple offers still, especially when they're priced right and competitive. Rental market is hot. Uh, seeing buyers coming in and buying multiple rentals too. Whoa. Yeah. I haven't seen investment. that in a long time. Yeah. Remember when you, if you were in the market for rentals, you picked up two or three or four at a time? That's what we're seeing. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. And are those guys, who are those guys? You know, it's, every story's different. Uh, I can, I can mention, you know, there's a doctor from the North County doing it. There's some other investors from the Central Valley doing it. Um, I've had one guy coming in looking at it from Los Angeles. He hasn't pulled the trigger yet, but he's liking what he sees. And most of these people have a connection to Polly, you know, yeah. son or daughter going there and they're seeing what's going on and reading all the news and making a what they think is a sound financial investment and i agree Sweet. with them yeah right on um i got i got a little news clipping here that i want to share with you this is a good one by the way i gotta open up the i like paste the link so my link now is taking me over to redfin you're familiar with redfin oh yeah They're reputable right seem to be trust some redfin check this out dude this is crazy so here's the, here's the snippet I pasted. Let me start there. 57% um, of all realtors have been involved in a sale of at least 10 offers on a single property in the past year. In fact, only 2% of real estate agents have not experienced a bidding war in the last year. Well, is that a national or is that a local? National. Yeah, see, it's, it's going to be different. I would say that you know probably in our area, the percentages might be higher. Really? Uh, because our market is our market is hot. It's not Bay Area hot with crazy prices, but it is definitely competitive. Yeah, and there's a lot going on. When I read about the Bay Area stuff, where it's like this house was listed, this house comped out for a million, so we listed it for one point one, and it sold for one point two, or like, one point four with oh twenty two offers all cash. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And then what does it matter what the comps are, right? Those guys are swinging around big money. Well, you're creating your own comps as you go. Yeah. So I'm... Wait. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. I just, you know, we've we've heard this story. We've heard the, the short supply story and the, you know, causing prices to go up and the competitive market and that. And I'm, I'm curious... To kind of switch gears on on this conversation, how I, I feel like I'm seeing more of an emphasis from real estate firms to get the message out that this is an opportunity for sellers to jump in the market. This is where you can almost, I mean, I hesitate to say name your price, but you can get top dollar for your house right now. Um, how How do you do that? How do you go about getting that message out and how effective is it? 
you know, people are only going to sell if they have a reason to sell. Okay, now that reason may be that they can capitalize and make $100,000 over the span of two years or something like that. But then if they're going to stay in the area, then they have to go out and buy something else too. So that's going to be kind of a wash. When I work with my clients, I just say, look, we need to look at your individual situation. Are you planning to leave the area? If so, this is a great time to market your property. And even if you have to rent back for a couple of months after the close of escrow, because maybe you're not leaving until the end of the year. You know, this is the opportune time to make that sale and really cash in. Who knows, though, what it'll be like a year from now? It could be even better, mm -hmm. okay? It could flatten out a little, but, you know, even the interest rates have gone from, call them, 3.75 to 4.25. When you get right down to it on a $400,000 loan, how much is that a month? 50 bucks? 75 yeah, bucks? something like it's that. It's not that big a deal. And historically, a 4.25 interest rate, people would go it's crazy pretty darn for. good, yeah. You know, it's only in comparison to a 3.5 or a 3.75 that we're going, ooh, that hurts. Yeah. But back to your question, really, it, it's every situation's unique. People have a reason to sell or not. And to just jump in and sell, okay, that might be great for you financially, but you still have to have a place to live. Right. Is there any kind of effort from either a, a company level or a regional level, like at the MLS meetings? Is there that discussion of collectively how do we get more, um, more people to list homes? Is, is any of that talked about or not in my experience but okay. again how realistic is that okay I, you know i could make a lot of money selling my home today but then what am i going to do pitch a tent in the creek mm -hmm. i mean it's not going to work i have to have some place to live and so the best thing i've well found there's some new things you can do like cash in on your house and buy an rv and then you like move from campground to camp that's a new thing lately i've been seeing yeah sell that so one to my that. wife as long as the roads are open right yeah right and hopefully you didn't go camping in big sur when all ins and outs are closed yeah um, but it, yeah, that's the thing is that you're you know i was gonna ask you dan well what would it take to sell your house i mean everybody's got a number right i mean sure obviously a nice high price is is enticing but you know like what we're alluding to here is having that suitable replacement. You well, know, it's obviously a big The component. second part of it is, even though the market is hot, it's not stupid hot like it was in 05 and 06, okay? If, you're pri if your home is overpriced, it's going to sit, mm -hmm. okay? Because people understand. People do their research. People, uh, you know, there's good buyer's agents out there that are telling you, wait, that's way overpriced. Don't go for it, okay? So it, it's not just crazy throw out a number, Bay Area, like we were talking about, listed for a million and itself for a million four. That's not happening. Mm-hmm. It's a hot market when it's priced right. That's where we're at. I was last week. I spent a lot of time sharing uh, my experience in the Phoenix area. I went out for spring training, saw a little ball, but of course, sit for sale signs always catch my eye too. And I, it felt like there was a lot more um, inventory in that Phoenix area. And for a moment, I had a moment of panic where I was like, "Oh my gosh, is this the first sign of?" Of the crash. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily a crash, but, you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But I, I was just wondering, is this, you know, is this city showing a sign of, of some kind of plateauing? Well, some and kind of if I own a house in Phoenix and I want to sell it, spring training is the week I'm right. listed. True, true. Well, I want to be out I there. I was there New Year's, and I really, I was cruising around Phoenix and the southern suburbs, Chandler and all those, and I was kind of doing the same thing. I was seeing these for sale signs, and I was wondering. So I came back and I did a little research to see what the price 
is like and what it was a year ago and things like that. And and they're in a, a fairly solid market now too, with good you know decent appreciation, not San Luis Obispo appreciation. But I think overall, um, you know, every market is local. And but overall, I think people are not doing the stupid things we were doing in the early two thousands, where you'd see a listing online or be told about a listing, write an offer, get it accepted, and then go check it out. Then hopefully within it, yeah. the week. And then worry about your zero down financing and right. how you're going to cash flow the property <laughs> That's and what, then you're going to flip it in six so, months. Interestingly enough, that was kind of one of the things I wanted to ask you because this Redfin article went on to discuss how um, much of the success that's being had in the market right now is people that have less than 20% down. That the majority of these people are doing FHA loans or conventional loans where they're getting mortgage insurance. So I kind of wanted to check in with you. Um, I know you do some listing. You also do some sales. Um, are people that are coming in to buy these homes, are they generally, what kind of loans are they using? You know, uh, I'm seeing a number, quite a few. Tenants. And do you care? Uh, well, of course we care because, you know, obviously the more they put down, the more they're invested in it, both mentally and obviously financially. Uh, but we're, I'm seeing a number of 1031 exchange monies funds coming in, which is a good sign because they're selling something out of the area generally and moving it in here. I think that helps us. The rest of them, I'm seeing most of mine are going conventional financing with at least 20% down. Yeah, and are those people that have have sold a home and are moving up, or are those? They're moving up. They're moving to the area. Uh, some of them are getting gifts from parents. Uh, yeah. You know, that's a big thing these days because, you know, it's real hard for people in our area, young couples, to, to come do up with it, it on their own. Yeah. yeah, Fannie Mae, last year, Fannie Mae suggested that as many as um, 50% of first-time homebuyers are getting gift funds. I, I would not be surprised, yeah. especially it seems like it's in quite coastal a California. Yeah, in fact, this week we were, one of our loan officers was trying to be creative with um, coming up with money for closing costs. Like the down payment was made, but these guys just didn't quite have enough money. So they needed like $6,000 more. And so then the creativity starts. How can you get the six grand? Can anybody gift it to you? you sell know, a car. And, yeah, sell a car. Um, or, you know, one of the ideas that's kicked around is that there's a couple ways you can borrow it. I mean, if, if you borrow against a retirement account, that typically is something that not only is it allowed, but you also don't have, um, it doesn't count against you in your debt to income ratio. So. Well, and, and here's a commercial for you guys. That's where a good lender can really come in and help because knowing all the rules of what can and cannot be done is critical. And yeah, and here's the other thing too, is what we always tell our clients too, is like, I'm on your side. Um, lay it on the card, lay your cards down. Yeah. Don't hold back. You got to share it. You got to, you got to really let me know what's going on. And if, if you're getting into things that are illegal, you're going to hear about it. If it's unethical, you're going to hear about it. But oftentimes we get these buyer, the buyer is trying to hold their cards close to their chest because they're just not sure if, if you know, because it, everybody that buys and gets a loan seems to have this like weird sensation that they're not worthy and that someone's just looking for the thing. Oh, that's the thing. You're out of here. Um, whereas, yeah, like a good lender, not only do we have all of the expertise and knowledge to be able to know what you can and can't do and what, what path we can go down and which one you got to shut down right away. I also need you to just lay the cards on the table. Show me what we're working with. Well, and, and as we've seen, you know, we've done a couple of deals over the years. And, and the more we talk, the more we 
uh, share information between the client and myself and the lender, the easier it'll be. You can yeah. solve the problems before they happen. That's really. right. Yeah, and everybody knows what ground they're dealing from, too. Yeah. Right? Because if you're going to advocate on somebody's behalf, you're staking your reputation. It's really nice to know that, okay, everybody everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows what the challenge is and how we're addressing it. And um, the, that probably is a, another um, well, pretty it, significant short part Short commercial of it. for me, then. Okay. <laughs> I learned this years ago when I was selling uh, bicycle products to Walmart. It's always better to call Walmart in advance and tell them that a problem is coming and how can we solve this problem rather than them calling you going, hey, where the heck is my product? Right. Okay. You got to get out in front of these things. And if you if you hold back and you try to do it close to the best and everything like that, it's just going to create more problems. Yep. A, a good life lesson there. Years of experience. I can tell you have years of experience. Let's not go down the years part of it. <laughs> I remembered a minute ago about um, one of many reasons we wanted you to come on the show today. Uh oh. I had mentioned that, um, you know, we had talked for the last, gosh, I'll bet you it was, been, I bet you it's been five years about this regional MLS and this politicking that went on and this agency doesn't like the way that their local MLS is handling it. So they're joining this one over here and all this tug of war. And then it seemed like last month or something, something finally happened, right? A lot of things happened, actually. What happened? Um, you know, it, it's... It's not pretty. Uh, Santa Maria Multiple Listing Service has decided not to do a data share with uh, the rest of the county, you know, San Luis Obispo County or anything like that. So on a Monday, you could see what was listed in the Santa Maria MLS, and then on a Tuesday, it went black? It went black unless you joined individually. So is that just Santa a cash Maria. grab? They it's wanted a cash your grab, dues? But I think it's really, um, it's really an information grab. They feel like they need to hold this information close to the vest so that they can represent <clears throat> their clients better. When in reality, uh, you know, I went through this in a number of different industries, okay? You remember way back in the day, there used to be authorized dealers for certain bicycles, golf sure. clubs, everything like that. The internet, the information age, everything else has just worked against that. You don't buy a car the same way you used to. Right now, you go online and you figure out what the dealer almost paid for that car, and you're right. going to get a smoking deal. You're not going to pay list. Nobody pays list, okay? But... To try and hold back information in today's world, when the information is out there anyway, it, it's really kind of short-sighted. Yeah, don't you just die with your information then? Oh, you know, it, when well, I Well, so what's the... I mean, I'm trying to picture if I'm if I'm Santa Maria, we're on the board or whatever. We got this whole culture working where we're trying to make sure that we are looking out for us. Yeah. Um, what's the deal... Too many people from AG are coming down and selling houses in my neighborhood? You know, there's always going to be exceptions, and we have them here. When agents from outside the area come in to represent a client on a purchase, usually on a purchase, uh, because they're a family friend or something like that. or We maybe roll our have... eyes at them, and then we work through the transaction, yeah, right? I mean, I, I've, I did a deal where we were selling a, multi, uh, a million-dollar condominium, and the agent was from Fresno, and I got... You know, I talked to the buyer, and he said, look, my mom's going to represent me. I said, okay, fine, we'll do this deal, no big deal. I'll take care of the inspections, making sure to be there to open up and do all that. We'll just make it happen. Um, you know, not everybody wants to do that. 
Okay, and and uh, there's times I don't want to do that. I expect the buying agent <laughs> to actually do their job. I and got be teenage there and kids right now, man. You know how often I'm talking about life is full of things we don't want to do. Oh, it's called being a parent. So we do them. Yes, that's just adulting. It is, and and there's times when you do step up, and there's other times when you want to draw the line. And what you know, Santa Maria is really torn right now too, because there are some agents that feel like we do want to hold this information close and we do want to protect our business. But there's a lot of other agents that are not really happy with the situation. Well, you guys, I'm curious. Patterson must already be a member of Santa Maria, right? They had to join again, yeah. Yeah, because you guys have a Santa Maria office, right? We have a very strong Santa Maria. Yeah, it's a a big deal. Yeah. Um, Does that, and I just, my naivety, I've never worked in real estate, if you work for Patterson Realty in the San Luis office, Patterson has a Santa Maria office. Are you? No, I'm not. So as an individual, then you would need to join. So this is not just a company membership. Oh, this no. is individuals all scratching checks to get access. Yep, that's it. I got to believe that the opposite scenario is true also. There aren't Santa Maria agents selling properties in Arroyo Grande and Napomo Absolutely. and, and Absolutely. that too. So doesn't it kind of work against them as they're much as hap- it works they, for them. They are happy to join the other MLSs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's just know. human nature. We're happy to do everything we can. No, it, it's, it's a challenging situation. It seems like a backward situation in today's information age because there's so many websites you can go on to get the information. Sure. And I mean detailed information. So, um, you know, agents today – you know, what they're trying to do is kind of like back in the 70s where everybody had the book right. and you couldn't see the book. The information's out there now. And so as an agent today on the buying side or the selling side, it's not just that information I'm providing. I'm providing expertise in negotiations and sure. marketing, et cetera, et cetera. But the information is out there for anyone. That's why I kind of thought, I don't know. I mean, I... Obviously, I'm not an expert in how you guys are doing and dealing in your information and all that kind of thing. But I remember Wes was talking about a statewide MLS. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got to thinking, if your greatest value is putting the chokehold on the info you hold, you're this, toast. you might be getting passed by right now. You're, you're going to Because be like done. you said, uh, here's a great example, by the way, this coffee that I'm drinking. I won't sell them out completely. There's a coffee shop here in town that I love. I've always loved. Um, it's Nautical Bean. It's mm-hmm. a local coffee yeah. shop. They have great coffee. You guys ever get coffee from Nautical Bean? Have in the past, yeah. They have great coffee. They're um, they buy this bean from somewhere else, and at some point, I'm saying, especially once I moved out of Slow, I want that bean. Of course, they don't want to tell you where they get the bean, but they'll sell you the bean. Um. Somewhere a few years back, somebody said, I learned what that bean is called. And now that you know the name of it, it's not the it's not the nutty bean they sell. There's a whole other name that you can find it by. Right. Okay. So I went to this other company that supposedly sells the bean, and I bought it from them. They sent it to me in somebody else's package. Actually, in fact, it was kind of drop shipped with their logo on it. So I didn't totally know where it was coming from. But the sender on the UPS label was from another roaster. Right. So anyway, being the consumer I am with a, you know, an interest in, you know, figuring it out, I found out who that roaster is direct from the source. And um, 
I can get my beans from them. That being said, we still buy a lot of coffee from Nautical Bean in town and stuff. But my point is you can you're only gonna be able to like to cloak, you know, where the things are coming from and what's going on for so long. Right. And before too long, it's like, well, why then do you go to Nautical Bean? Well, I still go in there because it's a coffee shop. It's cool. It's in town. It's a local business. There's all these reasons I'm still going to support it. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where we can figure anything out today. When put, You Amazoned them, basically. <laughs> okay. They're you not know, on Amazon, though. No, but, but, but retail today, it, it, this is your story. It's about retail. And retail has changed dramatically. I mean, if you look at downtown San Luis Obispo today versus 20 years ago, we have a lot of chain stores. We have very few mom and pops left. Yeah. Okay. Because the chain stores can absorb the high rents that we have and the low traffic, relatively speaking, because they offset it by their San Francisco stores and Los Angeles stores and everything else. Consumers, though, can look at stuff at these stores and order it on Amazon nine times out of 10, get it shipped to their door, less expensive. And, oh, by the way, if it's not quite right, send it back for free. Yeah, I. those that know me know that uh, my nickname for Best Buy is actually Best Browse. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing to do is go in there where they've provided me the opportunity to hold it in my hands and check it out and like look at the couple different ones before I leave and go figure out where I'm going to buy it from. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> I just resist Best Buy. <laughs> had some bad experiences there. But, but, but it, it, it's an example of what's happening today yeah. with information. Sure. Okay, and that's the key. Yeah. The mortgage business is oddly similar, yet completely different. Um, The mortgage business is one of the only industries I can think of. Somebody tried to give me an example a few years ago, but it came out a little bit wonky. It's one of the only industries where involving a middleman like me can actually save you money. So and, maybe and yet most people don't even grasp that. Yeah. They think because you're a small business, you're going to cost more. That's sure. the mindset. But so the funny thing is, so Dan Dan gets us all of the of the product offering that we have, right? So some of the loan officers they come to Dan and they say, okay, th- and these are real. This is a real thing, by the way. There's a special loan program um, for. Um, Anyway, I, I don't want to misspeak. I think well, I was going to say for illusions, but there's a there's a loan there's a loan program out there, um, and one of them is for Native American Indians. Yeah, I'll use this a, one as a better example. Yeah, um, but not all lenders offer it, and we had to go out and seek it out to find it. So I go to Dan. Okay, Dan, I had a guy into my office today. We started talking about what is it a two fifty one. Anyway, it's it's pretty obscure. And so I go back to Dan and I say, Dan, you got to get us this because I got a guy and and his whole family now. We're going to be the place in town that can do this and I need you to get it for me. So he goes out and gets us approved with a new bank, brings it back, and we fund a loan for this guy. And now it's led to loans in a row for his family members too. Um, so point is, Dan's the guy that if we learn of something anywhere in the U.S. Um, that will allow us to sell them a loan, he'll go get us that approval. Um, so including Quicken, I mean, we have loans with Quicken, right? Um, and it's not, we don't do loans right with cash call, but it's their parent company, right, Dan? Um, we have them too. Yeah. Mortgage Corporation. Yeah. So anyway, I like to use Quicken as an example. 
Um, Quicken's got a business model where they're out advertising. You know, Quicken's a household name because they spend a lot of money on advertising. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Interest rates across the board, consumers can shop. Um, Their interest rates reflect what it costs for them to run that behemoth business. And then they realize that downline um, companies like us are making, what's the non-bank revenue now of mortgage lending, like companies like ours. It's we're making up like half of the market. Whereas at the start of the recession, it was this like channel was like 10%. Was less than 10%. So like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase City, these were the big dogs. Well, they're deep into the shadows now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, they they know that companies like us, because of things like this, the radio show, the local community, the relationships, all these things that People just aren't going to, not everyone's going to jump to the Quicken brand, but they know that they'll come to a company like us. So they go and they say, well, we want that too. And here's the deal. If you give us a loan, here's the rate that that you can sell for us. Mm -hmm. And it's better than the rate if you call them. And that's the case always. I mean, it's true with Wells Fargo too. Any any bank you can think of, and, and it's obvious once you get down and think about it because they run ads during the Super Bowl. You know, compare my office in slow, okay? 1319 Marsh is on the outskirts of Marsh, just past Johnson. Um, and it's a building from the 70s? It's a sweet building. Yeah. I love the location and everything. Uh, we have four parking spots, which we try to leave open for our customers' convenience. Um, there is free street parking, but it's competitive. Um, the Anyway, point being, it's... Compared to Wells Fargo, a couple blocks downhill, um, 20,000 square foot building in the heart of downtown San Luis Obispo. They have an acre of parking. It's a beautiful building. Um, I would love, 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 love that to be my building. There's no way we could afford the $40,000 a month rent that that building costs. And uh, But guess what? The proof's in the pudding, man. They're, you want to... They need to charge a rate that pays that rent, and then they know that I'm not going to pay their rent. So if they want business from me, guess what? It's a quarter percent less, um, and then you just – I do all the heavy lifting right there. I need to find the customer. I need to make the photocopies. I need to have the meetings. I need to put the credit package together. I need to order the appraisal. I need to deal with escrow every day. I need to fund the loan. I need to put it all together and then hand them – their income stream, right? And so they go, thank you. And in turn, what they give us for that, just that no cost origination to them is a lower rate than what they're offering on the street. Yeah. So as often as I can tell that story, I love telling that story because we as consumers have grown up going, you know, go to the source. All you got to do is go to the source. Why do you want to go to somebody else, the middleman that's going to end up selling your loan to Wells Fargo anyway? It's the only industry I know of that works this way. You know, two points here. You know, in my old life in selling in wholesale and retail, uh, we used to look at and compare uh, other companies that were doing massive advertising. And you know there's a cost there. And so that's factored into their margin structure, et cetera. Second point is, you know, just recently I had a client uh, that was looking at a property, and I actually referred them to you, and he said, well, you know, I really like to do the online stuff. And I don't remember which one it was, but I said, look— Call them. Ask what their rate is. I can do all online. Yeah. And and then, (laughs) excuse me. 
and then call Jason and have him compare to the fees right down the line and have him explain everything. And I think what you'll find is being local will actually be a better deal. Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, we got about five minutes until the break, and we've got another local realtor on the line. We've got Greg Astle. Morning, Greg. Hi, guys. Morning. Good morning. Buddy. How are you? Good. Hey, I just uh, was driving into my office, and I heard your conversation regarding the the Santa Maria situation and the transition to the new multiple listings um, platform. Thought I'd make a comment or two. Um, you know the the CRMLS, which is the you know, the uh, abbreviated name of the new MLS system that we're using. It's the result, I don't want to say remnant, but it's the result of uh, California Realtors' effort to have a standardized statewide MLS system that started about 10 years ago. And Wes, uh, the owner of Patterson, as you guys know very well, he was he was really instrumental in uh, trying to get that MLS system, the statewide MLS system, up and running here on the Central Coast. And he did a great job. He convinced me that it was the way to go. And I think Santa Maria, in retrospect, now they might be kind of kicking themselves a little bit. I don't think their membership fully understood the impact of separating from the, the previous CCR MLS organization we had would have on their ability to do business with the rest of San Luis Obispo County. And I don't know that the leadership down there necessarily vetted it completely either. But, you know, we'll be able to figure out a way that, that hopefully keeps everybody happy. Unfortunately, it's going to cost some extra bucks for the uh, the brokers and the agents involved. But I think one of the things that really uh, – one of the main reasons I came on board with the idea of a statewide MLS was not so much – well, as much the sharing of statewide uh, – sharing data statewide so that we could all – help each other uh, meet our objective, and that is to sell each other's properties, whether it's, you know, in San Luis Obispo or some other area of the state where we have some expertise. But the idea of standardizing our industry statewide is what was really intriguing to me. Um, You know, other professions, doctors, for instance, all use the same type of prescribing uh, protocol, throughout the state. Uh, Lawyers use the statewide judicial system. It's pretty well standardized so that those guys can do practice throughout the state. And I think that realtors deserve to have the same kind of platform from which to operate. And that's kind of what was exciting to me about this concept of a statewide MLS. I still have, you know, some hope that it's going to happen someday on a statewide basis. As soon as we get over this idea that we should own and, you know, remain well, somebody uh, has to make the grand experiment, though, right? Somebody's got to do it, pay the price, see the ramifications, and go, wait, wait, okay, if we go back, then we can use that experience now to to hopefully move forward in a better way. Isn't that probably what's going to happen? I hope so. You know, I mean, if the, if the real estate industry were to be created today, if this was ground zero and we we're going to start with this new industry today, of course, we'd have a statewide MLS, and we'd probably have uh, something very similar to what we were trying to get off the ground 10 years ago. So I have hopes, hopes that, I mean, it, it's, we, we left the door wide open for Zillow and all the other private companies to come in and do basically what we should have done 10 years ago. And it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. Yeah, absolutely but correct. I, 
good info. Good good discussion this morning. Thanks Appreciate for calling, it. Greg. Appreciate your Thank input, you, Greg. Um, I'm curious. You know what's he's talking about standardizing. You know what what's different between the the various MLSs? Well, you know, um, a lot of the information that goes in there is standard. Um, you know, more the more disconnect I see is the uh, quality of service that you get from agents. Some agents to this day take one picture of a listing and put it on the multiple listing service where, you know, at Patterson we have, you know, a mandate basically that we're going to build a website, we're going to have a minimum of 25 pictures, we're going to do all the information, we're going to totally service our clients. And a lot of other agencies do the same thing, don't get me wrong. But there are agents out there doing the bare minimum. And um, I see that as a bigger issue of standardization. I see. You know, the information, again, to Greg's point, you know, it would be great if the MLSs were all standard and they all looked the same and the entry into it was all the same and the client portals were all the same. That would be great. But I think the bigger issue is the quality of agents top to bottom. No matter what you do, it's still an 80-20 rule. 80% of the business is done by 20% of the agents, but it's that 20% of agents a lot of times that can affect clients and give them a bad taste in their mouth for the total experience, and mm -hmm. that's really unfortunate. Well, if I'm a real estate agent in Santa Maria and it just gets couched to me that, hey, look, if we do this, it's going to disincent people for selling homes in our town, which is going to lead to more business to you. If if that's really all I know, and I'm, well, don't you want to sell more homes here in Santa Maria? I do. That's what I'm here for. But to Greg's point, um, I'm not sure the leadership in Santa Maria has given all the information, all the information to their agents. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Hey, guys, we're uh, getting to the point of the top of the hour break, which means we have one whole hour coming of Mortgage Matters. There's still a lot to talk about, too. We're going to have Bruce with us for another half an hour, too. So do stick around. Go freshen up that coffee, water the dogs, do whatever you need to do. We'll be back in a few minutes for more Mortgage Matters. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. You love that. Nobody's ever sung you that before. You know it. Start the day with ACDC. There it is. We did not do a great job of introducing Bruce when he... What do you mean? When he jumped on the air. I did too. I mean, you introduced him. We've got Bruce Freeberg, Patterson Realty, but we didn't give him the opportunity. I mean, I don't even know that we said Patterson Realty. We just... 
We know. Well, him. he's a he's regular. Like a he's here. a regular on the show now. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's always nice for any new listeners to know who the guest is, and if you like what you're hearing, how to get a hold of yes of Bruce for a little help with real estate. How Appreciate would it. someone get a hold of you? 805-748-0161. You said you were at spring training and stuff, and I was over here thinking, does Dan even know what like a big deal Bruce is? You know, this dude's like a hey, I know, a- I know. an athlete. I go- yeah, I do, guys. I do that was that. two lifetimes ago. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big deal in the new career too. I, uh, yeah. I go to great lengths to, um, to scour know. the county for the, the data. The who's, who's who. Who's closing transactions who's here. Who. Bruce is a top, top producer. You're you're like a, a one percenter in the real estate world here locally. You Thanks, know, guys. Can you write the rest of my commercials, too? <laughs> you, know, sure, you know who's coming on the show next week? <laughs> who's coming, Dan? We've got uh, Macy Umbertus with... Um, She's Maryland Associates. Maryland Associates, yeah. right? I was going to say the previous well, company. What was it? Top 20 under 30 or yeah, 30 top, under 20? Top 30 saw that. under 30, um, recognized by the National Association of Realtors. Yeah. Um, so she'll be joining us next week. So we've got Speaking a of couple which, of big deals two weeks in a row. I have a question over here. Yeah. I know that we, you got solicited. I haven't heard yet. Okay. I got, I got, we got solicited for me. We may be in the presence of greatness on a weekly basis, but we don't know yet. I, it has yet to be confirmed. There's a process they do to verify this, and so they had to look into it. There was a claim made that I might be among the top 1% of producing loan officers nationally. And so they contacted Dan for the production reports to agree or not. So if so, you might see some accolades after my name uh, pretty quick here in my email signature. I don't know what else it's going to do, but I'm pretty excited about it. Why not? I don't know if you know this, but I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> National syndication for Mortgage right now. Matters now? Is that it? <laughs> no, no. Someday. I mean, it's funny. I was Yesterday I was on the phone with one of our reps that we do quite a bit of business with. And, um, and we were just having this conversation about, you know, she, she brought up to me. She just starts, every time I talk to this gal, she just starts gushing about our company and um, the culture and the environment because she works... She's a the account executive for us, um, and I don't know. She probably works with a hundred accounts or something. Maybe I don't know. I don't even know how many. Enough that she has a sampling, and she says that we're a standout. And um, she says, "I there's a culture in your company that um, I've never seen before in my whole career." And um, she said, "It's a really, it's like a family thing." And I go. Well, I really think that's because it's how it started. Like we we started our business out um, as like for me uh, at the time, Dan was single with no kids, but I had a few kids and we were in a pretty tight spot. I so mean, did you adopt Dan at that point? Uh, I think More he. Or less. I think he adopted <laughs> me. We were in it together, man. And it was one of these things where it was like. We just were like, man, we got to do whatever it takes to to take care of my family, basically. And then um, that slowly turned into other people going, well, I have a family to take care of, too. It's like, well, we don't have a lot, but we're on a mission to be taking care of family. So if you want to jump on, we'll, you know, you can start working towards it, too. And that so, that, I mean, at the end of the day, that's all we're all really doing, man. I'm just I'm just trying to keep all the balls in the air, trying to do a good job, um, take care of 
all of the people in your life, you well, know? And, and it really what happens is by doing a good job, you create a client base, a customer base that will refer business to you because you've done a great job for them. Everybody likes over and above service. Yeah. And that's what drives our businesses. When I worked for Countrywide, they used to fly me back to Texas to the big, you know, the, they have like a ad. I wonder what's in those buildings now. They had a campus <coughs> in Plano. And I'd go back there pretty regularly um, for these huge meetings. And, you know, they bring in just amazing people to, to size you up psychologically and identify your strengths and weaknesses and all these tools and all the things you could say and everything. And um, I learned a lot just getting exposed to all that. Um, but one of the things that was just made really clear to me then was really... Um, if you just take care of people, the money part of this business would take care of itself. All you really need to do is remember that you're in the business of taking care of people. We're in the, we're in the problem solving business. Yeah. Crisis that's really management. What yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I joke about. People say, what do you do for a living? Oh, crisis management. <laughs> oh, really? How so? Um, people come to me in a really tight spot usually. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, pretty know. rare that someone's just like. I'm going to buy a house and I'm trying to get all my ducks in a row. It's usually like somebody calls me up and goes, hey, this bomb just blew up over here. And this other lender, usually an out-of-town lender, blew this deal. And if you could do it, and by the way, we need docs on Friday. Yeah. You know, so yeah, no problem. We can walk that out. Well, but the bottom line is we are a customer service business, but all of sales is problem solving. Sure. If somebody wants a house in a specific area, you got to solve that problem for them and help them achieve what they want. That's right. And you're doing the same thing. Yep. And it feels good. I like doing what I'm doing. I can't imagine what else I'd be doing. Playing golf. Um, I'd like to golf more. I like to golf. Although last week I was having like some back and hip pain that stopped me from completing my round. So I felt officially old. Never good. Oh, no, no. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and we just... Um, talk about some of these things. Um, check this out. You guys heard that auto sales have been kind of soft lately, huh? So U.S. auto loan debt <clears throat> hit a record $1.16 trillion. I read that number. I'm like, our, our country owes like $20 trillion. Not even that big deal. Uh, $1.6 trillion is a number with a lot of zeros behind it. Um, but that makes the record high water mark of car payments. It means that the average licensed driver in the U.S. is um, owes sixty-one hundred dollars in car payments, which I actually thought wasn't that bad. Yeah, so these like fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollar cars. Does that, that doesn't take into account lease payments then? No. And in fact, that was where some of this debt was starting to um, freak some folks out is that total consumer debt right now is at um, basically pushing darn close to the record. Um, did you remember we went through some years during the recession where we scaled back debt? I mean, people were getting out of debt and were debt adverse. Um, and you remember those old veterans of the business said, don't you worry we have a short memory in this business. Mm -hmm. People will be back to getting in debt and doing cash out refis. And I thought to myself, um, man, once you climb out of that and you don't have that debt, do you really ever get back into that? So 
total US total <laughs> US consumer debt right now is at 12.6 trillion. The high water mark was um, quarter three of 08, 12.7 trillion. So we're dangerously close to that. Wow. Um, student loan debt is accounting for a greater share now than ever before of the debt that we have. Um, and n- anyway, it used to be about 5%. Now it's over 10% of total debt. Um, and now 30% of borrowers who graduated between 2009 and 11 have defaulted on their student loans. That's crazy, huh? Because that's debt you can't even get out of. Um, And mortgage and credit card debt account for a smaller percentage of the total debt than ever before. Hmm. We're still owing less on our homes and less on our our, um, credit cards, but we're owing more on our student loans and um, auto loans. Hmm. I want an auto loan. I see those student loans. <laughs> I don't, I don't do auto loans. I see, yeah, but man, I see those Teslas roll by. <laughs> Guys like on the computers, cars passing me in the fast lane. Looks student, so nice. Student loans. You know, you can argue it's it's kind of out of necessity, right? You you want to get the education, you want to get that degree, you you think it's going to advance your career. You do what you got to do to get through college and and pay for it. An auto loan is definitely a choice being made. Do I want to oh, drive yeah. the used whatever, or do I want the the new nice I know, car? I know. I drove in today in my O2. <laughs> right. Drove in in my O2. And you know what? I got here. It was fine. It was comfortable. Ah. It was safe. It was quiet. I just got my O6, the 150,000-mile service. Yeah, yeah. But I'm yeah, like a champ. I, every time I do get into a newer car, though, and I'm like, man, look at all this. Look at all this. It's all like, this stuff I don't need. Seems like more stuff to break, too. <laughs> My son um, that's in high school now, he's turning 15 this summer, so of course he's talking car talk. And I don't want to get him like a small car. I'm always, you know, I'm the dad that's afraid you're going to be dumb like I was and then go crash your car. I never crashed, but I was dumb. Yeah. Um, and so that's scary. And there's big cars on the road today. So you don't want to be in the little shoe car that gets tangled into the big rig or something. So anyways, I'm looking at like... Um, you mean the smart car is not so smart in an accident? doesn't maybe? feel like it to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyways, I'm like wanting... What I'm looking at is like the 1970, 71, 72... Um, truck, like the single cab truck. You're going to buy him a classic. Wait, yeah. wait a second. Yeah. You're concerned about safety, yet you're buying a car that, I mean... Did they even it, have seatbelts back then? It has oh, a yeah. lap yeah. belt. You can put better seatbelts in it. Okay. Yeah, you can do All that. Right. You, can put, you, can, you can retrofit there. But it's a heavy car. It's not fast. Mm-hmm. You can throw some stuff in the back. Harder to slow down. You know, you really got to like put all your weight Look on that brake. how pragmatic you are. And then you're like leaning into those turns because you don't have power steering. You know, don't get him a courier because the couriers Anyways, were kind of like, you know. Wet blanket pedesto over here. What I'm trying to say is it's got a 350 under the hood and you can replace any part of it yourself with just a few bolts. There's no Bluetooth nothing, man. It's all, the if the window's broken, it's because the handle snapped off, and you can get a new <laughs> one for go. six bucks. I so, want you to find somebody that can tune that carburetor, though. Good luck with I that. I have a buddy that does yeah. carbs. I met go. him through Wes, actually. Good. Um, yeah, anyway. Seems like Dude, a good idea. The simple things. It doesn't have all the stuff to break. Weird. Are I you... just got spammed something about Teslas. Oh, because we said the word. Weird. 
not weird. It's scary. We're being tracked. I told one of the loan officers has <laughs> one of the loan officers has plantar plantar fasciitis. So we were talking about this in the office the other day. All we said was plantar fasciitis. I mean, this is an office full of dudes that are like in their thirties. Those words aren't coming up a whole lot. And I sit back down at my desk and I got ads for insoles for plantar fasciitis. <laughs> they listen to me from the other room. That's weird. It's it's unbelievably scary. Big I mean, data. Anyways, to your point about autos and the amount of auto debt out there, we frequently bring this up as as something that impacts your ability right. to buy a house. It's it's a yeah. I mean, I like to look. You know, sometimes we'll get in situations where we're looking at a borrower who's just right on the fringe of qualifying because of their debt to income ratio being too high, and you start looking at. What okay. can we do to well, get you in there? Well, this credit card you only owe five hundred bucks, but your payment's thirty. This one you owe a thousand bucks, but your payment's only twenty dollars a month. Let's tackle that five hundred dollar one because pound for pound, you're paying a lot of too much. monthly debt given the the amount of debt you're you're carrying. Auto loans are pound for pound, you know, they're the worst. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're I was, terrible. I was gonna share with you, I get this call a lot, especially if an agent, a real estate agent's got someone in the back seat. And, you know, someone's got the realtor app up and sees a listing. There's a listing a block over. We really like this neighborhood. And so they pull in and they're like, yeah, but it's 650 And so then they go, well, I know a lender. Call this guy and find out, you know, what it's going to take. So here's some quick and dirty math you all can do. Um, and this is going to be on the conservative side. So know that I'm, we're, we're kind of going worst case scenario. But basically, every $100,000 that you borrow is about 550 bucks a month. Round it off to six if you're, if you're really wanting to be conservative. So uh, $400,000 mortgage times six, That's talking 2400 bucks a month. That's a good rule of thumb when you're sitting at the curbside looking up at the house, right? So um, it... Again, it's conservative, but it's a it'll get you there. Therefore, when you come on into me and I see that you pull in in that really killer brand new Sequoia, and then a little while later we pull your credit and I see that you have a Toyota Motor Company uh, loan payment for six hundred dollars a month, because that's about what it is when you buy yourself a brand new Toyota. That's a hundred grand right there, and. Um, it would surprise you guys to know that some percentage of the time people walk out of there and get rid of that car. If they really understand once and for all, this this ramification for me um, is the difference of being able to live in a house that's $100,000 more. I mean, think about that. Well, I think two things happen. Um, you know, there's a saying in real estate that you live in the payment, not the price of the house. Sure. Okay. And so that that really sets you up for how you can live in totally. that house. But I think the second part of this is too many people are taking that adage and applying it to a car yeah. right now. Well, you that's know? how they do you in the dealership. Have you guys exactly. been into a dealership lately? Yeah, it's all about Well, what payment. can you afford? No, 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 no. I'm not, what can I afford? I want to see the invoice. I'm willing to pay you 500 bucks more than you bought that car for. But would a payment of 300 bucks a month work for you? You know, and all of a sudden they're scratching out 84 months over here on the thing. That's insane the way that they're backing into it. And it's clever sales pitch, but yeah, you're right about that is that people have taken that over into the car thing. Well, nothing throws um, a car salesman off more than saying you want to pay cash. Sure. They don't know what to do. No, they're lost. Yeah. So Right. The whole sales pitch is built around financing yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And that's one of the things like... And I didn't mean to insult card salesmen, by no, the way. No, <laughs> everybody's, everybody's got to do their thing. Um, and you know what? There's obviously people have a need for car financing. This is why we're talking about record car debt. I think the crazy thing, too, is that we live in a culture where... Um, it's easy to get caught up in your car is something that people tend to judge your success by. So, you know, I mean, I get this from my teenage son. You should have a nicer car. Oh, I'm, I'm not trying to impress anybody with my car. I don't even take clients around in my car, so I really don't care. Um, but anyway, it's, it, it's totally one of those things that we, it's an outward um, symbol of our success or, and then that translates into self-worth, I think. And then, um, but well, so I'll, I'll do you one better. I don't even take clients around in my car. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, when I start, you're an angel. <laughs> I had an F-150 for the first six years of this business. And now I drive, uh, you know, a Ford edge. Right. Okay. It, the car is not same car person. as my grandma, by the way, by the way, exactly. Yeah. Well, it works for me because it's got a big trunk, if you will. And I can haul all my junk. Yeah. But that's not, what I'm about. Sure. Okay. Some people it is. And that's some people it is their identity. And I get Well, that. and I feel like, um, you know, sometimes agents are like, well, I need to have a really fancy Mercedes because I need people to know that when they pick me as an agent, it's because I'm successful and I'm going to be successful for you and all that. Whereas some people are going to look at that and go, I'm happy to work with someone that's not about the flash. That's about the utility nature of getting it done and being affordable. That's right. About, that's about serving my needs. Yeah. Yeah. It could come across to as maybe this guy's making a little too much commission. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. You know what I'm saying? Maybe yeah. so. Uh, but I was going to say, too, like just wrapping up that, that loan and car talk is um, two times recently we've been asked to give a message to um, young people. Once recently at the high school, uh, you know, what do you tell young people? That's one of the things I tell young. Here's my financial advice for everybody today is um, – if nothing else, here's a great way to govern yourself. Make sure you're putting more a month into savings for your future than you're spending on your car payment. And if you need a car payment, I get it. I do. We all love cars. Sure. Everybody does. Sure. You've got to. It's an American pastime as cars. And if you're putting in 500 bucks a month into your retirement account and that doesn't change because you add a three or four hundred dollar a month car payment and all those kinds of things, that's fine more power to you but don't come straight out of high school or straight out of college and before you have any of the other ducks in a row go plunk down a 500 dollar a month car payment because guess what and we're all old enough now you've been there what happens at the end of that new car mm -hmm. is it's at the worthless. end of the five years <laughs> you're in the boat of needing to buy a car the payment just stopped on the car that's now worthless, basically, yep. and you're ready to run it back. I mean, that was the thing for me. I always wanted a new car. Growing up, my parents never had a new car, and I was like, man, I'm going to get a new car. Um, I'd, I'd love a new car today, but I know when I do go upgrade into modern technology, I'll probably get a two- or three-year-old model mm -hmm. car and you know, just try to be more reasonable about it. But that's the thing I want everybody just to take pause and remember that those little decisions that are five years of your life or today, some of those loans are eight years. Mm -hmm. um, just remember that these things, those are big decisions. And then what happens is they're like, well, what payment can you afford? 600 bucks a month. Perfect. Here you go. Here's an 84 month loan as we got you into this $65,000 car. Um, and then two years later, you start going, I don't know if that was smart. Well, now, sadly, 
you still owe $58,000 because of the way the interest thing works out, and this car's worth thirty. And, and so now you got to sleep in that bed for the yeah. next five years. And now you've grown up a little bit, and you're looking to buy your first house or condominium or something right. like that, and it totally affects what you can Well, so do. what happened to me is I tried to be affordable, right? I went down and I bought a car. Um, the Toyota dealership in town had a deal where for graduates, they were giving you, if you graduate Cal Poly, you get a car or whatever. So I went down and I bought a car, and the payment was like 280 bucks a month or something. And I thought that was reasonable. Then we had a kid... And so with the seat all the way back, it didn't fit with a car seat. So then when Tucker was born, I had to go get another car. And I was upside down in that car, of course, because that's what yeah. happens in a new car two years into it. And so I had no choice now. The only way I could get out of it was to buy another car from the dealer where they'll take you the money that you owe them for the car that's underwater and put it onto the loan for the new car where you can fit two car seats. And so I wheeled off that lot knowing that this thing just plummeted in value and I owe like $6,000 more than it was even worth before I crossed the driveway. The other term for that is digging yourself oh a deeper hole. Oh my gosh. So that took years to be done with that. That was that was my experience in the new car thing. So life changed for me and I wouldn't plan on it. You know, I didn't plan on two car seats when I bought the well, smart car. Yeah, when you're <laughs> when you're talking about buying your first car, whether it's a 5-year loan, a 7-year loan, whatever it might be, that's a long time in the future, especially for a young person, because so many oh, things man. change. A lot changes from 20 to 25, 30, th This, this 30 is the to voice 35. of experience right here. I think probably all three of us have done something along this line, and hopefully we can pass it on Dan's to Dan's never really done any dumb stuff. He, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> he's, I think he's even clear of it all. He's had the benefit of being um, really good friends with me for a lifetime, though. So he's got to watch plenty of stupid crap <laughs> happen right next to him. You. Oh, sure. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good idea. This is why. Watch this. Here, hold my beer. And after all that, he wears an Oakland A's hat? Yeah, he's an A's fan. Yeah. I'm loyal. I'll give you that. <laughs> I'm loyal. <laughs> Um, I, I did though, before you go, cause we're getting down to the witching hour. I wanted to circle back though and talk about, um, opportunities around town. What's going on? Is it, uh, I mean, we know there's a shortage that's probably not happening anytime soon. Um, any parts of the County that seem like they're a, a hot spot, bright spot, or just. Again, it, it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, we still have a lot of people coming over looking for vacation homes or second homes. We have investors, like I said. We have people looking to trade up right now because, you know, you are going to trade dollar for dollar kind of thing. If you're selling a $600,000 home trying to get into that $800,000 home that's 500 square feet bigger, there's opportunities there. Not a lot, but they're yeah. there. Um, you know, in the North County, there seems to be quite a bit of uh, a little bit more opportunity, though there there's a shortage of inventory there. But there's properties available in the you know three hundred thousand dollar range up to the you know big vineyards for two and three million. Wow. Um, same thing in the South County. Well, Dan said it earlier. We saw the numbers. The numbers don't lie. You're involved in a lot of transactions, my friend. And so to me, I think you know, and the reason I want to bring it up not not that you need a bigger head. Uh, but I bring it up because I want everybody that's listening to know that there's a real value to working with somebody that's that rooted in the market, that that sees enough deals go down, that knows what's coming and what's going. And 
um, I would I would suggest that there's some real value in knowing how to negotiate that stuff too when you when you do it all the time. I, I agree. I mean, there's creative ways to solve all kinds of problems. It doesn't always involve dollars and cents. Sure. Um, all kinds of ways, and each one's going to be different. Right. So um, I I know. I mean. We have you on the show today because we believe in you and um, are are thrilled that you'd take your time out on a Saturday to come in, even on the day that I forgot I had invited you in. So thank you. Some of us are responsible. <laughs> you know what? This week, I told I told you before the microphones were on, but this week was a crazy week. Dan and I elected to bring in a self-audit. Go through do. it all, right? Well, because we really do have a desire to make sure we're doing it right. Yeah, and Absolutely. And you know the auditors, they from the various agencies that regulate us, they do come in from time to time. But you want to be ready for them, but also you want to know that you're doing it right. I don't want to be myself or my staff. Uh, we don't want to be making mistakes. So the good news is we found out that we are doing most everything right, uh, at least everything critical. There was a few things that we learned that we could be doing maybe more efficiently or a little bit better. But at any rate, that's why I missed you guys on Tuesday, and then. Um, being out of the saddle all day on Tuesday for that audit led to just the backup for the rest of the week. So it's funny how fast you can get behind, isn't it? Oh man. I mean, yeah, you know that, um, the best thing about being self-employed is that you only have to work half day, right? Right. So that's which, how you, which, the yeah, first the, the, 12 hours or the second, yeah, I mean, exactly. you pick it just half day. <laughs> the light half or the dark half. Yeah. And so, um, you really realize that when you leave your desk for, several hours in a row that that work still has to get done it's funny how you walk away for 30 40 minutes all of a sudden there's 35 emails waiting for yeah. you plus four text messages Easy. and three voicemails yeah so anyways it may have escaped me that you were coming in this morning but i'm glad you remembered and I'm, I'm i'm happy that you came in thanks much thank you it's always fun to be here and you guys do a great job not only uh in your business but on this show sweet thanks for that um so bruce one more time because i'm sure someone's someone's listening and has a listing to give you or wants to not get in your car to go look at real <laughs> no, need. no need happy to meet you at the property how can they reach you uh, it's real easy. Bruce at BruceFreeberg.com, and that's B-R-U-C-E-F-R-E-E-B-E-R-G. And uh, my phone number again is 805-748-0161. You can always reach me at the Patterson office, which is 544-7000. And if you forget all that, guys, you can call 543-LOAN, and we'll point you to Bruce. You guys should get, like, something like 544-SOLD. Or... If you start singing your little jingle, maybe we will. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Astle called earlier. He's like something sold. <laughs> That's how effective it is. Two, three, two sold or something. Greg's a good guy. He's a good realtor out there on the coast. Yeah, he is. All right, Bruce, thanks. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. All right, go enjoy your uh, the rest of your day. All right, guys, we're going to do a commercial break here, and then uh, when we get back, we'll uh, get down to it. There's more stuff to talk about, so stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's a common myth that home buyers need to save a 20% down payment to buy a home. 
The fact is, we offer numerous zero-down and low-down payment loan programs. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRE number 018-396-08. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Join the internet again. See how it goes. Hmm. Did the internet dump out? Not all's dependent, though. I've got my notes all pasted in here. Uh, we talked about the jobs report a little bit earlier and wanted to double back and talk about that more. Um, we generally do talk about the jobs report the first Saturday of every month. Um, well, the first Saturday after the first Friday, really. So, um, this, of course, is the report for the March employment situation for the whole U.S. economy. So um, interesting to see. I was telling Dan out in the lobby before we got in here that um, kind of feels like you're a straight-A student just pulling home an F. Yeah. And it, you said, except for it's not a straight-A student. <laughs> so it's a, it's a B and C student who had a... Had a run of A's and then came home with a D. Right. <laughs> so yeah, just it wasn't a great jobs report. We've but it had followed three really stellar reports during a time of the year where you don't generally see stellar jobs reports. Right. So, um, and by the way, before we jump into the number, last month, you know, we were almost three hundred thousand jobs created. Um, ADP, which is the huge payroll processing. It's a private company that does so much payroll nationally that they're a pretty good indicator usually of the amount of jobs created. 
So ADP can be kind of market moving. They make a prediction. And I told you guys last month, I probably say this every month, but it's weird to me how sometimes the ADP number is so right. And then sometimes the ADP number is so wrong. Um, so let me tell you what the ADP said. ADP said added 263,000 jobs for the month of March, which was stronger than expected. So then there we go. That comes out on how many? 263,000 jobs. That's strong. That's stronger than expected, really. Mm -hmm. That's how strong it is. But then, oh, Friday brings us the actual um, labor statistics for the U.S. And what we find out is that um, ADP can be very wrong. Um, the actual number is plus. So we expected, outside of ADP, we expected 200,000 jobs to be created. We didn't even break 100,000. The number was 98,000 jobs. All you can really say about that is that it's very weak. That's a very weak number. Um, it reminds me of the last time we had a reading. It was, I don't know, what, what, what was that, about six months ago? That we got a reading below 100,000, and then Janet Yellen made the remark. She actually came on record to say that the U.S. needed to add about 100,000 jobs a month. And so don't worry when you're there, you're, you know, yeah, you might be treading water, but they're not all going to be great months of great ads. So here we go. We're back to that. So here's the question then. Is it a blip? Is this the new norm? No, I no? would say it's a blip. I think you had really strong hiring, like I said, in months where we don't typically see really strong hiring. And, and so this is just... You know, it's a lull in that momentum we were experiencing. Yeah, or maybe the the companies that would have been hiring in March were able to go ahead and hire in February, and yeah. so you've taken a little wind out of the sale of March, right? That's probably that's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, unless you see a, a similar type of report next month, it's it's nothing more than just a report that's disappointing, but not um, not an indicator of anything longer term. The unemployment rate was expected to hold steady at 4.7% and came in at 4.5. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? See, this is, yeah, it is. It's nice to see that headline unemployment number go down. It, it's always, it always um, adds to confidence in the markets. Uh, you know, people feel good. What we'll probably see next month is more people enter the workforce and we'll see that unemployment rate tick up because, you know, this is, it just feels like when you're at a four and a half percent unemployment that there's opportunities out there to upgrade your position or get a job if you don't have one currently. Um, so, you know, don't pay too much attention to that number, but it is, it does give you that that warm and fuzzy feeling a little bit. What was interesting in, in some of the stories, you know, I pulled an article off the newswire here, um, and it says the unemployment rate fell because nearly 500,000 more Americans reported finding jobs. But that is totally contradictory to the Department of Labor uh, the, the Labor Department's figure of 98,000 jobs added, and it's also contradictory to the ADP numbers. So there's some... There's some problem here with the different sources of information. Well, and, and so I don't put a lot of, you know, again, unless I see this happen two, three months in a row or more, it's it's not something I'm I'll, concerned about. I'll offer you an explanation. Yeah, let's hear it. And then you can roll your eyes at me. 
The number is non-farm payrolls. So perhaps those 500,000 people were farm payrolls. I don't know. Right? Spring's come early this year, isn't it? My sure. allergies say it did. You know, the, All the trees are blooming this week. Does that mean like the grapes and stuff are getting rocking? And maybe a lot of those people that are working yeah. are working in I think agricultural right. businesses that are truly non-farm. Sure. ADP um, is a private payroll provider. They don't have any reading on government hiring or firing. Sure. Um, one survey, uh, one of the surveys surveys businesses, which is the ADP number, whereas the de- the Labor Department surveys households. Sure. So there's there's just different methodologies to these different surveys, and you know, I again, you just got to look at the longer, the, the bigger picture, the longer term trends, not just focus on any one report. And I don't think that you're going to hear the Fed at their next meeting focus too much on this one bad report. I'm guessing either. they're going to cut rates. I mean, with a jobs <laughs> report like this, how can you keep raising? Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I highly doubt that's going to happen. It's, it's just something to, you know, file it along with all of the other reports we've seen. And, and we'll just see what next month brings. I am going to remember to use March as my example of the time, the recent time, that ADP was so wrong in their prediction. Sure. Because it, it, it's always just interesting to me. How can you be that far off? And I guess there, there is those explanation of those things that just aren't quite counted. But The um, 4.5% uh, unemployment rate is the lowest reading of that figure since May of 2007. That's right. A 10-year low for the jobless rate. Kind of exciting. <laughs> exciting. Yeah, you're right. What else do we have out there this last last week? You gotta carry me for a minute, man. I'm restarting my computer. All right, cool. I need my internet back. Well, I uh I, I had a reading here on construction spending, so this is something closer to our real estate theme of of the show. Uh, construction spending had a solid gain in February. It was up uh 0.8% led by residential construction with spending on single family homes a lot of so times that's the private that construction spending yeah. but i saw also that public construction spending was darn close to it it was 0.6% mm. or something it was right on the heels of it so okay that's good news to see um, construction spending chopping along doing just fine i suspect we're going to see more and more of that right now um i was last night at dinner we were having a conversation about um Somebody we know that's in the market for rental housing in Atascadero went to go look at a home, um, and it was one of those uh, kind of things where they said, yeah, come look at it on uh, Friday at 5. So who shows up Friday at 5? Oh, like a caravan of like 50 different people to come look at the house. Um, And so anyway, that... That's been, and so I felt like I was the bearer of bad news, but I was just sharing. It's like, you know, we talk a lot about how inventory right now for um, home purchase is tight. You got to, you got to get, almost got to get lucky. You got to be prepared with a good game plan and be Johnny on the spot when you find the house you want. And then you need a little bit of luck on your side too. Um, Gosh, the rental market's the same way right now. These um, crazy stories. Last week I was talking to a friend of mine um, that his, he's a real estate agent, but he helped his best friend buy a new house. And then was the best friend didn't sell his home because of the way the market is and everything just wanted to just hold it. So 
Um, he held it and put this house out for rent. Um, knew because everybody knows, oh, it's a it's a tough market right now, and and even rent's harder. So he put the place out for rent um, for like twenty four hundred dollars a month, which was, you know, on the high side basically. Got thirty applications on that house within the first five days, and um, you know, I asked the the question of like, well, did what did he do? Did you, do you go into a bidding war? Do you pull it off and put it back on for more? What did you do? He said, no, he just he took the the one that he thought was best qualified, and um, you know, was happy to have someone in there that he thought was a really good tenant. Um, but man, it's, that's insane. How do you stand out against 30 competitors to be renting a two bedroom house in a Tascadero? That is, that just feels desperate. And, um, it's one of the things that, you know, I thought was worth sharing today. Um, I brought this up because of construction spending, what's going to help this problem. We need to add more homes to inventory. That's a big part of the formula. But the, the point to bring up to all you guys is simply that if you are um, in a position where something might be changing for you and you're going to need a new house, be it a renter um, or to buy a home, it's not too early to start working on that. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to need to come up with a pretty solid plan um, of how you're going to work this thing out. Um, and even if you're just being a renter, I'll share with you what my wife and I used to do when we were renters. Um, if you're going to show up to a home in San Luis where there's 30 other applicants coming to look at it on Saturday, what I used to do was I created a little um, like a little packet that was my sales pitch. Here's my um, this fancy little folder um, with a letter about your application, a letter about my wife and myself, my resume, my wife's resume, copy of my credit report, copy of my bank statement. Um, want you to know that I am I am desperate for your home and that I nobody else is doing this right. Most of the people are handing in just the application and hoping. And so I had pretty good success with that, but um, Again, it's one of these things where if you if that's on the horizon for you, you better come up with a pretty good plan. And uh, right now, I keep getting people into my office that want to get pre-approved because their landlord is telling them the rent's going up five hundred bucks a month um, at the at the lease term here in June. Um, it's right around the corner. They don't want to pay the rent. Um, and when they come in to see me, I'm going, all right, you guys, we've got some work to do because there's no guarantee you're going to be able to get in a house by June 1st, as hard, as bad as you want it, or as bad as you need it. Um, it's a, it's a tight little market right now. Yeah. And you know, we heard from Bruce earlier, there's opportunities in this County for entry level housing in the three hundreds or in the four hundreds. And you know, I, I, Plenty of people that I talk to every day, friends and acquaintances and otherwise, you know, they'll complain about the commute. No, let's get real, right? This isn't a big city. No one's stuck in gridlock traffic. Um, you know, yeah, I know the that turn around, around uh, Shell Beach area there is pretty rough around 5 o'clock. But otherwise, there's not a lot of traffic in our area. You know, consider living in... One of the bedroom communities. Yeah, one of those communities where housing is in the three and 400000 for entry-level 
housing, you can find yourself a three-bedroom home that can accommodate your family for the price of renting. Well, and what I want to say about that, too, is that throughout Slow County, many of those bedroom communities are the places where we can also use, like, USDA financing. So that's 100% financing opportunity um, if you're willing to live in one of the bedroom communities. Because this one works in, like, the outskirts of some of the cities around here, like when you get out into the little more rural areas, but then it works in Los Osos, Santa Margarita, Tascadero, Templeton, outskirts of Paso, works in Morro Bay, works in Cayucas, if you can find the right deals somewhere. So sometimes for those first-time home buyers, you're going to have to to grin and bear one of these commutes. But the good news is, is that we have some loan programs that might be able to help you get your foot into the door into one of those bedroom communities. Yeah, that USDA loan is a fantastic opportunity to buy with barely any money out of pocket. I've literally seen people buy homes with $500 out of pocket. Um, It's an affordable payment. It's a great loan. there is an income restriction to it, though. So there's also an opportunity through conventional financing with a 3% down payment. There's that, what is it, the home ready, I think is what they call it now. Home ready or home possible is mm-hmm. the Freddy version. It's um, it, That one is not geographically restrictive, so it's a way to... You know, five cities, for example, it's not an, a USDA eligible area, but there are some affordable home options like in the Grover Beach area. Um, Napomo, luckily, is a USDA eligible area, but some of those areas aren't. And, and this home ready program is another way to get in with little down. So there's a lot of ways as a entry level buyer to get into the market, own a home. Um, now you're not just paying your landlord's mortgage payment every month, you're starting to build yourself an asset, something that's going to appreciate and value over time, something you can take pride in. Every time you improve the home, you're not you're not making the landlord's home worth more. You're making your home worth more. Yeah. You know, earlier when we had Bruce on and he was talking about how you can live with the payment that you can live with, you don't live with your purchase price, you live with your payment. And I I thought then is the funny thing is, though, is that if you get a 30-year fixed, it's a payment that you can live with for um, 30 years, ideally. But after year two or three or four or five, home values typically go up around you. Um, Right now, interest rates are probably going up around you. the people buying at those new higher levels are paying higher property taxes. Um, rents are higher all around you. Um, ideally, you're making a little bit more money at work, right? Because don't we all hope to have a raise in two or three or five years? I hope yeah. so. So, but anyway, point being is that when you first buy a home, you're figuring out how to make it work and how to live at that level. And then ideally, at the five year mark, you pick your head up and you go, man. My payment's actually less than rent right now. I'm doing pretty good. I am making some real headway on having this thing, you know, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel of paying it off. You've got some equity established. Um, That's where you're like, talk about having like a little consumer confidence. That's a good place to be. And um, that exact scenario is playing out with a friend of mine. Uh, three years ago, we helped him buy a, an entry-level home in a Tascadero. I want to say he spent about uh, 290000 on the home. I think that's what they ended up buying it for. 
they used USDA financing at the time. They're in, you know, his wife was kind of finding a way in a career and was not making a lot of money. And he had a he had a solid job, but was still getting um, more seasoned in that job. There's a sale, a commission component to his job today, three years later. And I, I think I mentioned, but they used USDA financing. So zero down today. They're both more established in their jobs. Um, he makes a base pay. His commission has gone up. She now is fully entrenched now four years in her career, making a nice salary. Um, and their home is appreciated by about $90,000. They think when they sell it, they can clear about seventy grand. Wow. And so, you know, the, they started with this home where they had very little out of pocket to buy it. They made their mortgage payments for three years. Now they're thinking about taking that next step, starting a family. They want a little more space. Um, and and their homes appreciated to the point that now they have a nice little 10% or so, 15% down payment on their next home when they sell this one. And um, they're in a position now where their income allows them to afford a more expensive home. And so it's just... It's what I think the blueprint um, looks like for a lot of people in this area trying to get their foot in the door of owning owning a home and, and starting a family and, you know, setting themselves up for those those great um, family years where you've got your kids in the house and everyone's in school and you're working and you're just making it all work as a family. And it, it's cool to see that actually happen here for some people that I know personally. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's this is the part of that cycle that I think we're in right now, you know, in that I feel compelled to say maybe that's not always going to be the case, you know, for some some folks that are going to buy at a, at a part of the cycle where you buy and, you know, homes don't appreciate rapidly and, you know, maybe you're just treading water for a little while. There's a lot of other great reasons to own a home. You know, you're you're in control of your own your own house now with those rights and nobody can force you out into moving. Um, one of the couples that I was talking to recently where the landlord was requiring them to move out was basically that um, his son was um, being asked to move out of his house, another house and having difficulty you know, by way of work and just managing all that life's throwing at him right now. He just, finding a place to live is just a bit too stressful. And so this father it's easier for him to go tell his tenant, Hey, you guys have got to go need that roof for my kid. And, um, and I, that's a perfectly reasonable thing, but when you're being displaced right now, because you don't have that control, I mean, that's something that, uh, is so much more than that idea of, well, I hope it appreciates and all these things. You're making headway at paying it off and you have a lot of control over your your circumstances. You don't, you don't have to go because somebody says it's time for you to go. And I think most people are pretty busy just trying to keep all the balls in the air every day to try to manage that too. Regardless of your situation, uh, I think the message that we always try to get out there is that our company, Central Coast Lending, we're 
a mortgage company that's operating all over the county, and we're here to help you figure out those big life decisions when it comes to real estate. Whether you're a renter looking to buy or an owner looking to move up or, you know, maybe someone who's now wanting to take the leap to an investment property. Maybe you're an experienced investor and you've done it all a million times, but just want to get the best rate and um, terms for your new loan. We're here to help any and all of those folks. You can give us a call at 543-LOAN, 543-5626. It rings all of our offices around the county. Um, a great place to start uh, checking us out is on the web. You can go to centralcoastlending.com. We've got a great website. You can see every loan officer's face, get a feel for them. We have a bio on everybody. Um, you can start your loan application online, learn about any of the loan programs on our website. We try to have a lot of information out there for you um, so that you can do your homework before you even give us a call. Um, but we're, we're here to help. We're vested in the community. We plan on being here for a long time, and we hope that you'd uh, at least consider doing business with our company. Yeah, it's good just to get on a path. I mean, sometimes people come in because they got a lease coming up, and they're just not sure, but they want to look into it, and we can we can at least get you a plan or a path. And sometimes it means you need to go rent for longer. So it's something just it's worth looking into, worth checking in on. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Check us out on the web at centralcoastlending.com or give us a call this week, 543-LOAN. We'll get you to a loan officer where we can offer you the insight that we do have. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks again for Bruce joining us. And we'll be back next week uh, with another episode of Mortgage Matters.